wanna be a starving artist I don't wanna be a starving artist I just want to find a way to live Hey, I'm Anna Eastley. Welcome to Starving Artists, the podcast where we ask all the difficult questions about art and money. This week, I've got an interview for you with Becky Sui Chen. Now, Becky is kind of amazing. And in this episode, I got to ask her about how she juggles two very successful careers. Because by night, Becky is a musician. She works under the moniker Sui Chen. And she tours with the eight-piece party extravaganza that is Nozu, going all over the world. But by day, Becky is a digital creative director and an all-round god of the new media landscape. And what I found in this interview that was most surprising about Becky is that she treats her creative projects kind of clinically, I suppose, like a, you know, like a small business. To quote her, if it's not financially viable, I have more important things to do. Now, I don't know about you, but that is not a sentiment I hear a lot. In fact, it's actually the opposite of a sentiment I hear a lot, which is that as creatives, we should be putting it all out on the line and we should have one true passion and calling and sacrifice all we can to get there. But the other thing that Becky and I talk about in this interview, which is in the last third of this episode, is having a family. It's something I've been thinking about a lot in the last three years. I'm now almost about to turn 28. And when we recorded this interview, Becky was going through some really tough times in her family and in particular with her mum's health. And she reflected on how that's made her think differently about having a family who we can count on to be there in the end and how important her creative projects are in the much bigger scheme of things. Before we begin, can you tell me your name and who you are slash what you do? My name is Becky Suichen Freeman. I use my middle name Suichen, which is my Chinese name, for my musical project. And I also use it for other kind of artistic endeavors. And most of those are musical projects, but I also do art direction for my own music videos and my own project and occasionally have worked with other people to do creative direction for their projects, mainly music-related, some design and that kind of stuff. But predominantly I'm a musician and I also work as a creative producer, which is predominantly in digital kind of projects, so currently mobile experiences, interactive experiences. Previously it's been like websites or multimedia within museums and galleries or that kind of environment. I think I get most of my musical activity done in chunks of time now rather than bits and pieces. Obviously things like rehearsals and, you know, a bit of work I can fit in and around a working life, but I'd much prefer just to take a week off and do a week straight and just be focusing on that, which I'll do in April, maybe one or two weeks off. I'll work that in to the month of April so I have can devote like 10 solid days to my album production that's way more effective than being like, I'm going to work on it every night this week. Like that's just not going to happen very effectively. Otherwise I'll be trying to do like eight hours of work and then come home and do, you know, another five hours of work, but eating and exercising and chilling out, spending time with the people that are important to me just doesn't fit in if I do that. So I don't want to live that kind of lifestyle. I've probably done that previously and I just think you do it when you're younger and then when you get older you like it's just not as important to work that much I think you are smarter slash older than me maybe because I keep making those promises to myself <laughs> of like oh it's okay I know I mean even now this podcast is going to launch in about a month and I'm like it's all right I'm just gonna nail it I'm just gonna work all the time not realistic yeah, yeah. that's not what's actually going to happen yeah I think like you can make those promises and sometimes it's really good to just work really hard and sometimes you have to work around the clock on certain projects that have deadlines whether you set them or not but just depends what's going on in your life at the moment if that's the most pressing thing and everything's kind of under control and okay I think sometimes you just do it because you can but it's pretty clear when you can't and you just start to not function properly or, or whatnot but you just notice that you're like, oh, I'm stressed and I'm yelling at people that 
they've not done anything wrong or I'm just angry, you know, like or frustrated. <laughs> and yeah, you shouldn't really feel those things if you're doing things at a realistic pace, possibly, or your expectations are a bit more realistic. Yeah, I mean, I just am always a serene being, so <laughs> I don't know what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> so you're in this position at the moment where you're kind of straddling two career paths, which is one is your job yeah. in user experience design is how I have it in my head. Is that right? So I am a creative producer of interactive experiences or user experience within the museum gallery sector and most recently venturing into the entertainment tourism sector. Fingers crossed, see how the next project goes. It sounds very millennial. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I guess they're finally crossing over. Just the way I am able to use technology to promote my musical projects or tell my own story through even like social media or a music video and the digital presence that I'm trying to build. It's kind of similar in a way to something that I'm creating at work. Although at work, I'm much more on like a logistical side and currently don't have as much to do with the creative, which kind of suits me. I get the thing made and done, which is more management-based stuff. That's probably good because I think I put so much creative energy into my other stuff that I'd possibly just be too exhausted or have no good ideas if I was trying to do two 100% creative things. Who knows? So I, I'd like to try the other way, but yeah, that's how it's kind of functioning at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I can relate to that definitely when I've had jobs which have been really creative and you're like, oh, I'm a creative person. I'll get a job that's really creative. And then, well, often those jobs don't end up being that creative. And also for me, they can kind of burn me out a bit on the my brain space head thing. You strike me as someone who's really good at your job <laughs> um I'm not sure you'd have to ask my colleagues I don't like to be doing a job that I'm not good at I guess most people <laughs> would be like don't want to be bad at their job <laughs> but yeah I think because I've tried not to be a jack of all trades in work anyway as much as I have wanted to move into more like graphic design and I've studied a postgraduate graphic design course trying to move from producing into design or art direction I guess the projects and the workload has demanded those skills at certain times and I've been able to use those skills but I've realized that I'm best at producing and getting the thing done so if I were to make a change I'd have to like step back a bit and just learn the basics and, and just like grow that other pursuit slowly like if I wanted to follow a purely artistic visually artistic career separate from music separate from you know I would be starting again so I've just gotten better because I've done it for so long I think at managing these kind of projects and it's a lot of it's people management expectation management and problem solving which is creative but working well with other people who are also talented and are going to help you get the job done yeah I think that that's it so I kind of enjoy it because it's like solving problems and I think that I realized through doing it that the creative aspect of the type of projects that I do is very limited. Like it's only one thing. Like we get a designer to do these screens for this thing and we tell them exactly what to do. And they can be creative within that. But that's a siloed kind of experience. And then the audio or something else is a siloed experience, everything. But I get to do a bit of everything or at least oversee it. And so I feel like in that way I have more control over the overall thing so that has been satisfying to know that so I would hope to think I'm good at my job and I think I can be and at other times I might be a bit crap at it but that's that's I might be crap at it when I'm trying to do too much and when I'm not focusing and then I just have to like tell my colleagues that I can't do it in that time you know like I need more time or I need more help or I actually don't know what to do here and I just have to be a bit honest when that happens you're making me think like so whenever I go to interview someone I always have this moment where I feel kind of bad because like all the people I'm interviewing have amazing artistic careers and then I come and I talk to them about basically everything that isn't that oh, nice. <laughs> but maybe I think actually it's all of the other stuff that enables them to have that career 
Yeah, well, that's kind of what I'm interested in is I suppose we hear about that other side, the creative side so much, and I'm always interested in what that person's day-to-day life is like and what what's all the stuff around that career. So it's interesting talking to you and hearing you talk really passionately about your other job and yeah. it just makes me think like it's like a wake-up call it's like why am I doing music now <laughs> just like, no not at all it's like I'm super passionate about music as well but I I think I am I've just grown into like someone who's really quite passionate about the work that I do but if you talk to people that are closest to me I think they'll say I'm pretty passionate about most of my interests like I could talk passionately about my martial arts practice or my hobby of like swimming at the pool and like totally recommend swimming <laughs> to anyone. Oh, I, I pretty much have a lot of interests and I'm very passionate about all of them. <laughs> <laughs> so were you always thinking like in terms of your creative pursuits versus, well, not versus, as well as the rest of your life, were you always thinking I will have two kind of parallel careers? I ask because for some people – going to work is a means to an end for their creative projects but that really doesn't seem to be the case for you yeah like I've never felt passionate enough about one thing to only pursue that one thing at one time so far my biggest step towards that in all honesty was like last year when I took two months to do an artist residency and I was committing solely to music for two months which is the longest time I've consecutively given it which is kind of surprising given how long I've been a musician for. Like in 2009, I was, I don't know, I think I was in my mid-20s, some kind of age where I was still figuring out all this stuff, hadn't worked at as many jobs. And I'd only been working in arts organisations and I'd put out an EP, I think, and maybe sung on some other people's tracks and was living in Redfern in Sydney and I had a small little house and I was like, oh, maybe I'll give it a shot. I was employable like I could get jobs that interested me I found jobs all the time but it was really difficult for me to not go and get a job and just be a musician like I found it so hard to do that I did it for like six months and I was really creative I made like a stop-motion animation and just like really worked hard at that but I just didn't have as many ideas I think a lot of people would say that but you know sure enough I think you have to get into the process of generating your own ideas Mm. and I'm sure if I stuck long enough, I would have gotten to some point. But not having something separate from my own, me generating all the energy for a project, not having some other forces in the mix was really kind of difficult. And who knows, maybe I could have grown something from that point into like a bigger thing. Like I'm just using this purely as an example because I've been researching Lady Gaga stuff lately. But just say (laughs) so she has her like house of Gaga. Is that what it's called? House of Gaga, yes. House of Gaga. You know, like maybe I could have had like a micro version of that and that, that would give me what I need. But at this stage, I found it really hard not to be a participant in like the creative technology world and mm. be working in that field because I'm really interested in the digital transformation of society broadly and our identities and how they change. And I think working in that industry it's like feeding me with a lot of material that I I do kind of put into my musical concepts it would be really difficult if I wasn't a participant in some way an anonymous participant that's just doing my job like a cog in the wheel kind of role as opposed to being someone that's always like a publicly facing person I think those are two really different experiences because you're in one one you're in complete control or you are responsible for everything and then another one you are one of many just in, and I really like being both and that's the same in like bands that I'm in like I like being in musical roles where I can be like a backing person and then as as well I have a, a front person role in my own band so who knows maybe I'll you know go to South by Southwest and get like some publishing deal and be like oh okay I'll just focus on writing songs for the next little while that could be great but I don't really count on it you know I don't really it's not what I'm working towards. I think if I really wanted to do that, I probably would have done it by now. That's what I think because I've continued doing two careers and I've had every opportunity to just work full-time or to just try music. I could do that because I've received like grant money before, which I could have been like, okay, I'll just only do this. But I've like spread the projects out over a couple of years and like enjoyed it in a different way. So maybe at this point, just doesn't look like I'm going to change anything. 
<laughs> it's interesting because I'm always interested to see how people approach this, and it seems like you know there's this big pressure on on artists to kind of make it and to be working towards making it, and you seem to not be as focused on that as other people I know of or have spoken to. I guess I'm focused on being like having a sustainable music career, but since I'm the one driving that, I can only do as much as I'm able to do. And I think for me, like sustainable creative practice is more important than other perceived success. But to me, that is successful if you can generate an income from that practice and feed it back and continually invest that money and it just slowly grows. And mine's just been slowly growing very modestly, but it's, you know, now I could afford to take a band over without any funding support to South by. And it's just coming from my, my band money, but I probably wouldn't have been able to do that two years ago or something like that. I would have been much more stretched bringing more than a couple of members over or something like that. I don't know how much that would be, but in my head that amounts to like thousands of dollars. Yeah. So, so I guess, you know, I would have done enough gigs that I could have, and I didn't even do that many gigs. So if I was touring all the time, yeah, I probably would be more close to the, this idea of making it if I was more of a touring musician, but I just don't do that many shows. I want to do shows that I'm feeling really good and can make it special. I've thought about this stuff a bit recently because I do want to do music successfully, but I just... It's not my sole driving purpose, you know. I try to have a career that I really enjoy all the little bits. Like I really enjoyed making my flyers and my I made like bumper stickers merch. I enjoy making merch and being like, <laughs> I'm going to have bumper stickers for my next round. And, you know, I got like silly bumper stickers made. And that to me is like equally as satisfying as like some other, <laughs> I don't know, doing a good gig. Like I enjoy every aspect of it. But, yeah, in terms of making it I guess you know if there, if there were big opportunities that arose that made it clear that I had to focus on music 100% for the next six months I'd certainly take them but at the moment it seems to be just evolving at a slower kind of pace and I'm really comfortable with that it's fine I feel zen just being around <laughs> you before now we spoke over the phone and you actually said in terms of your music career you said if it's not viable I have more important things in my life yeah <laughs> and I was like, wow, that is not, you know, that's not the usual narrative that we hear about like creative genius, artistic success, starving artists, desperate. I was like, wow, that's very, very different. Yeah, I guess like it's like any small business, like if it's not bringing me any kind of return over the amount of time that I've been investing in it, then it's not viable to pursue as a commercial business. So, Yes, I would still make music, but perhaps I would just be a bit more conservative in my spendings. And, you know, there's so many ways I could be a musician that just puts stuff up. The thing is, I think I'd probably still, it'd still be viable at a smaller scale. Like mm -hmm. I could do band camp and promote and do complete DIY and, and start working with the team that I'm working with. But there's no point doing that because I've got a team and people are happy to work with me and you know, I have a manager who gets a certain percentage of show money and things are all working. So, like, it's not proved itself to be not viable at this point. But who knows, like, if I didn't keep feeding it, though, you know, if I didn't release music soon, then that would be potentially damaging to my career if it wasn't at least every couple of years something coming out because I need more music to generate that income to, you know. So I guess... If I wasn't getting good opportunities that could allow me to save some money up and do cool things with it, then that would be really boring. Because eventually, if you want to have bigger ideas, you want to see something grow. But yeah, the more important things to do is like what I was saying, I'd probably focus on like visual stuff. If I wasn't doing music, I definitely think I'd be writing and actually have time to do creative writing, which I really want to do. I really want to get back into that again because I've, I've had experiences now. I'm ready to like tell other stories and a non-musical format too just because I have so many interests so I, I think that I could try and all of them are like difficult you know then they're, they're not like you're gonna make heaps of money being a writer like yeah cool <laughs> but like um yeah I have other things to do maybe that's as well going back to making it it's not my only thing it's not my only passion I have other passions so I think for some people that are so focused on it maybe it's because they don't have anything else that really excites them in the same way that music does 
I think my difference is that I'm like so excited by like being able to work on my next video. You know, if someone asked me to write a short story, which someone kind of has been and I just haven't yet, that's really exciting to me because I, I, I studied writing and I used to write stories and I really miss writing and I just don't have any routine or process around creative writing at the moment. So I can see myself definitely progressing in that direction as I go for the next like few years. One thing that I'm hearing from you as you say that is that when you say viable, you don't just mean viable financially, you mean viable emotionally as well. It means like, is this viable financially? Does it make sense in that way? But also, is it still something that I want to pursue? And I think that's why I've done a little bit of touring, not that much, not nearly as much as many other musicians that are releasing music on a similar scale to what I I do but the touring that I have done overseas has been very exhausting and as as you get older and you kind of need to manage your life outside of music or just say I were to have a kid or something like that then touring would be a lot more difficult so at that point I think or even a dog like I really want to get a dog at the moment and (laughs) I really do I I used to be a pet person basically I want other things now like I and some of those things go against the touring musician lifestyle. But I think there's still a way. Like I, I'm certain that I can make things work. I've proved to myself so far that, you know, I can have this dual career thing and it's it's okay. And so I think that I would like to keep trying to work for the things that I want and just see how it goes and take it take it as it comes. So there might be a time where I'll be more of a studio musician than a touring musician. I'm totally fine with that. Or maybe I'll work towards producing other people or you know doing a role that you don't have to travel so much for and that might solve that kind of dilemma so there are lots of options within music I think you don't have to do that path which is the making a thing or schlepping around when the demand is there you'll go and I think some some people create that demand by touring a lot but I think right now I really want to tour but I want to tour when it's right and when I've got a whole big show planned and it's like I'm not gonna be able to do that year round because I have other things that can balance my income where I think the people that tour year round it's usually their primary income so they need to if they're not touring they need to be writing because their music is their main thing but when you kind of open it up and have it's like a small like my my friends researching like a opening a store or something so have multiple income streams for your store not just from one thing and then it's a bit easier, it takes the pressure of one thing. So I guess that's why I've chosen to have two careers because I'm taking the pressure off my creative stuff. And it's very, very like obvious and simple answer, but it really is why, because I just don't want all that pressure on, on that project. I want to do it the way I want to do it, not because I'm forced to do it. Like imagine having to play a show and you really don't want to because you're feeling sh- shit, you know, but you have to. That's the thing, like being a musician doesn't account really that well for like getting sick. It's crazy. And some of the things, even back to this lady, lady Gaga, I'm just referencing her at the moment, the amazing like amount of energy that it would take to do what she does. And if she is physically, if something happens to her, she can't do that anymore. That's huge. It's like an athlete, you know, like huge stress on, on you. I think I talked about this in one of the other interviews about what you said there, diversifying your income stream, but also diversifying your um, emotional income stream. So if you're not relying on like, one thing for all your good cookies that make you feel great you'd have a bit more freedom to then take pressure off kind of both of those yeah, things yeah, exactly when you open it up you can keep perspective of other things that can be fulfilling like I think sometimes when you focus too much on that kind of stuff which I've definitely done in the past I'm only saying some of these things because I've learned them through doing them but um there was a time where I wasn't paying any attention to my or very little attention to my physical like well-being and my health I always generally eat pretty well like I'm pretty actually that's not entirely true I eat a lot of sugar like I just smash sweets sometimes but um (laughs) but like that's my only advice I don't really drink that much I've had my fun times with like experimenting with drugs and whatnot so like an alcohol I, I just that stuff is in the past largely for me so when you take that stuff away and you're like okay how am I feeling I'm not doing any of those things and I still don't feel that well like well god I've got to change something so I only started to like really pay attention to an exercising routine after being very active as a teenager and very sporty and stuff. Probably after having some significant emotional stuff going on, whether it was a breakup or whatnot, and I realized that I needed to like like you were saying, like diversify my emotional 
resources. And so I would start running and then I swimming and I started martial arts. And I pretty much have a good routine of doing those things on a weekly basis. It fluctuates when I get busier with rehearsals or whatnot. But I, I have a really good relationship with physical well-being stuff for the last several years. So like that just gives you so much perspective on other stuff in life. Because if you feel like you can run 5 or 10 Ks comfortably, you feel good about yourself. You feel like I'm a good body, abled body. I'm a good abled body person and that carries through to like doing anything or cooking a meal for yourself. Like you feel like, oh, I can look after myself. And all those little things just add up and make you feel like a good person, like capable. And so if you can do all that stuff, then maybe your music making or creative pursuit is going to be a lot easier because you've taken all the pressure of only being good at that one thing, riding a bike, gardening, or whatever it is. Get good at something small and then it all adds up. It doesn't have to be like this massive creative pursuit. You just like, you be surprised how quickly you can change things. And I think some creative people get really stuck in their thing. And then, you know, you see the ones that are successful and kind of find out what they do do. And maybe they have a really good swimming routine. Like I know a house in Northcote, there's three really awesome people that live there and they all like swim regularly. And then that was something that I was really interested in because I'm like, I swim too. And we bonded over swimming and like, yes, yeah, really important to swim. And I even ran into this photographer in the pool the other day who was also like me, like obsessed with like his little time in the pool that he would have every day. And I was like, so funny and we're like yeah everyone wants to have a beer after work on a Friday but we were both at the pool and he was like yeah I just had to come I'm like well I had the beer and then now I'm at the pool trying to like (laughs) pretend like I didn't have the beer yeah I think that kind of stuff you just realize you know that can help a lot I've recently been riding my bike a lot and one thing that I've realized about it personally is that it's something that I'll never be good enough at for it to be something that is a career and that because it's like that I can enjoy it without there being an element of overwhelming strategy to it and it's made me realize how much that feels like space in my life (laughs) I don't know if that's the same for you I try to switch out of um getting competitive with myself about my sporting pursuits because I gave myself such a hard time every time I had to go away, usually on tour, even if it was a short tour, like or just interstate for gigs Mm. or for work, and I would miss out on Kung Fu. And we only do training three times a week and I used to do it consistently two times and then occasionally do the third session and it's with Chinese doctor who's also a martial artist and he's able to do those sessions at that time and once you develop a relationship with your trainer it's pretty difficult to switch around and I just like beat myself up emotionally about missing stuff sometimes when I was too exhausted because I'd just come back from somewhere and I had to you know and it's on the south side and I'd be riding my bike down or driving or something like that and I just like get really stressed about not going but I was obviously not going for very good reasons it wasn't like I was being lazy and not going And one of my friends, close friends and musical collaborators pointed out that like I was too competitive with myself about my things that were supposed to be in in place in my life to keep me grounded and yet I was turning them into another thing to be, like you were saying, the best at. Yeah, when you kind of like, why am I doing this? It's too relaxed. Well, I'm not being relaxed right now. So this is like clearly the wrong attitude. So I think 2017 I've I've been better and just like I have a pool membership. But hey, if I don't make it to the pool, x amount of times that week it's all right like I was doing something else clearly that was more important I do think it's really important to do things like I went camping and I try and plan a trip or have something planned like even a small getaway just with friends and limit the amount of friends that I really try and catch up with in a week because it's unrealistic to try and catch up with all of your friends really and just really be present and enjoy those times and Try not to be so competitive with myself, unless I'm training for some specific thing. I'm really, really into like physical activity. <laughs> <laughs> I love sports, recreational sports. I'm not a spectator of sport, but I love participating just for fun. It's so good. It's so easy to just detach from your body or you know waste several hours sitting on your phone and social media. I mean, I know everyone talks about this, but it actually is astounding how easy it is to just waste time or check your email too many times. Why are you checking your email? Nothing. You're not going to actually achieve anything. You're just Mm. anxious because it's there, you know. Much better to run around. 
even if it's like you're not gonna go for a distance just like go for a walk feels good <laughs> sometimes I do this thing to myself where I pretend that I'm running late for the train and so I just like put my shoes on as quickly as I can and like run to the train station <laughs> like for no reason just because it it changes your day <laughs> so in terms of Sui Chen as a musical project does it pay for itself yeah just in the last two or three years it's definitely started to pay for itself it is supplemented by grants so I've been lucky enough to get some funding from the Australia Council and Creative Victoria over the years I'm not sure comparatively how much to other artists but I've definitely been supported by that in making of the new work a little bit of showcase funding but mainly I apply for funding to create the work wait on what is showcase funding showcase funding is quick response grants for something like CMJ or South by Southwest that Creative Victoria offers it's a short turnaround and you can get I think you know five or ten grand to to market your your band overseas so those ones are pretty competitive I wasn't successful in my South by application but I did get one before. It just depends on who's applying. And I think they try and be fair, really, because I think the same people would apply quite often. So there's a grant category called New Work Grants. So I've mainly got those grants over over the last few years. But um, yeah, my project has become more sustainable so that it pays for itself. I don't invest my own income in it, like personal income from my other job. But I did definitely to start. And I think if you start thinking of your musical project or your creative project, like any other small business or sole trader kind of experience, you do have to invest a lot to get started before you see returns. Like if I knew what I knew now, I would have been less afraid of investing and taking risk and maybe invested more, really, or maybe just not been so afraid. Do you mean as in if you knew when you were 20 that 10 years on you would have a sustainable music career then you would have invested more in the beginning possibly just bought myself better gear even investing in that like get a nice guitar I still don't have one why like that's so silly (laughs) I buy expensive computers but I don't buy expensive musical instruments I do have a couple of nice pieces of gear that's not entirely true but just some things that I just didn't treat myself to even though that would have been maybe better for me as a songwriter to have a nice instrument but I think I would have been less afraid I don't know if I would have been able to invest more but I guess I would have been less afraid of taking a job purely for a financial purpose for a short time to earn money to invest I was always very selective about my job choices but you know then again I'm where I'm at now with a very specific kind of job but I haven't really ever done a job just for money which is something that I would feel more relaxed about doing on a temporary basis now but I can only say that because I could get a contract job <laughs> that was in a more commercial field and earn way more than I would normally. I'm only saying that from the position I'm in, so maybe it doesn't work really. But yeah, I think I was always so conscious. I must have like a job that reflects me as a person and also my creative practice, whereas so many people work their hospitality jobs or whatever just for the money to fund into their things and they seem like much less hang up on it <laughs> at times. So, Or maybe not, I don't know. I just would have been less afraid, I think, of investing and knowing what investment really means. And it means that you're investing in something for the future that you would build. Yeah. So I think at first I was investing. I did invest over a six to 12 month period, about five or 10 grand when I was 20 or something in my first EP and the production and then the music video and photography around that. I think that's pretty substantial for my generation. Yeah, I would say at 20 years old, $10,000 is a lot of money. Also, don't you not have that EP available? Like, isn't it just on your computer somewhere? I have that EP. It's like, you know, it's around. You can find it. But it's like a very, like, young-sounding version of myself. I hadn't had singing training at that point. I just, like, DIY'd my music life. I mean, I had training and playing, like, a trumpet as a kid and vocal ensemble within schools and jazz bands and whatnot. But I hadn't had formal training. And before I released a CD called Two C's, which was 2012, before that I'd done some opera training and it really like opened my mind and I would love to continue to have singing lessons. I actually really want to, but again, like the too many passions thing. I've got too many things I'm doing at the moment. But um, 
Yeah, so that first EP, I'm just a bit cringy about the way I sing. And the instrumentation itself is good. The songwriting's okay. It's what you would expect from, like, a teenager, which I was when I wrote the song. So, you know, but a teenager that isn't internet savvy because, you know, the internet wasn't – it was around, but you didn't. I didn't use it to school myself in the way that younger people do now, and mm-hmm. that's much more common methodologies to research stuff online. I was just, like, looking at mixtapes that ex-boyfriends had made me <laughs> and, like, rock bands or, you know, things – weren't so electronic and cool then I think music has changed so yeah it's okay it's just like not the greatest thing I feel a bit embarrassed about some of the lyrics (laughs) (laughs) it's okay I have like a whole album of songs that are under a different name and like many copies of that album at home that um (laughs) no one will see well see that's the thing you you put it under another name mine is like Sui Chen still so like you can find that stuff and you can like taught me with it which some of my friends do occasionally like very occasionally they'll like sing a line from that song and just like freak me out I'm like whoa but I basically like documented my musical learning publicly and hey that's I'm comfortable with that I'm living with that I think I still have a MySpace profile somewhere that probably has those songs and like old imagery of me and I have no way of getting into that MySpace to take it down (laughs) Oh, you can apply to MySpace yeah, to, do to do that if you want to do that. If you want to, but, you know, like... It's Lena- kind of fun, though. I kind of like this, like, I don't mind. I'm not super concerned. Like, I have a private life that I'm pretty open about myself and my experiences and whatnot, but I do have a private life, and I'm semi-comfortable. I kind of think it's funny having this old music profile out there and just under the same name, like... It's there for the world to see if one is really looking. <laughs> you know everyone's going to look for it now. It's <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, I think it's good. I, I mean, Lena Dunham does the same thing. You can find all her very old films. and That's um, cool. But then you get to see how someone evolves. And I think it's important to see that people don't always just emerge really cool straight off the bat or, like, knowing how to do things in a very considered way. Like, I'm happy that people can see those things that I'm embarrassed about because it's like, yeah, I was uncool, you know. Hey, it happened. <laughs> I recently did a um, Kickstarter. It just ended on Saturday. I do a, another podcast with my ex-fiance oh, wow. and uh, he lives in Toronto. We did a Kickstarter to try and bring him to Australia to do some live shows. But the Kickstarter video started with the video of him publicly proposing marriage to me and it's from four or five years ago and I look really like a massive dork not only a massive dork but like that was one of the most terrifying experiences was being publicly proposed to and you can tell in my face anyway just lots of people were like whoa your face you look really different and I was like yes yes I do I put this on the internet I don't know why but I chose to so Moving forward, I'm interested to know, in terms of balancing these two careers, what are you thinking now? Because you're, you're, how old are you? I'm like 31 at the moment. I say like because my birthday is in a month. So I'm turning 32 soon. (laughs) I'm like, I feel strange about it. I feel strange about being 32. It's weird. It's like, yeah, I could have a kid or something. Like I, I want to have all these things. Like I want to have a nice place to live that I would own as much as the housing market is extremely difficult for most people. But I'm just determined to like save money and like make it work. I'm determined to not be stopped by my like, I guess I'm not as privileged as some people. I don't know how to say this in a PC way. I It's okay. Just, like, I don't, give I, it a go. Yeah, okay. Well, basically, I don't come from a lot of family money or old money or anything, you know. I have a single parent upbringing and I have siblings and my mother's also sick at the moment. Like, I'm in a pretty pretty normal situation, I think, for, for a lot of people that are not able to tell their stories. Like, some people come from very difficult situations. I'm definitely not coming from a very difficult situation but I'm coming from a situation that still makes it difficult for me to like have those things and have a secure future Mm -hmm. because it's really me I just got to create my own wealth and whatnot to support a lifestyle that I want to have more fortunate than others because I've studied and whatnot I can get good jobs and whatever but um 
yeah, it's still hard. I think if it's hard for me, God, it must be so hard for a lot of other people who don't have as varied working options and potentially like people that are like artists who don't have other skills to have other jobs. So, but I, I'm determined to like make it work for myself and work hard at both things still so I can get those things. And curious about when I'll actually have a child because I think I don't need to like necessarily have it from my own body. I'm open to all other ways, but I think that. I've had this realization since my mother got sick recently that if I wasn't around or if she didn't have children, this whole sickness would be a whole lot harder for her. And it's probably something that maybe people older than me would be like, duh, you know, like, of course. <laughs> but I'm living through this experience of realizing that family and family units and very traditional ideas about family are actually like really important and kind of necessary for. We don't live in like a communal raised. We don't have that in Australia really like as much as people can try and change the way they have their lifestyle so that they can have different types of relationships. It's very difficult and that's why families do have this weird you know, blood connection to them and when you're older and you get sick, if you don't have another generation to look after you, it could be a really lonely and destabilizing experience and I, I really realize that now that there's a real function to a family and that is to have a unit that's responsible for you and vice versa. And I think that I <laughs> need to have a family as part of my like life insurance plan. <laughs> that's like super realistic. I don't think like friendships are always there, but to be a person, I don't know, it's weird. I just totally see why you need to have the family, like this primal thing so that your young can look after the old when the old gets sick. Like just living through it right now, I'm like, I want to also weirdly practical like time it around when my siblings have their children so that we have a community and it's just like easier for us all to go through that experience of having young families together I know you can't plan these things but if I can I would try to and I know one of my siblings is probably going to have a kid sooner than later and I'm like crap I have to get on this so yeah I'm, I'm kind of just thinking about all that stuff and because I'm thinking about all that stuff I just don't see a huge change on the cards within my working life because it works for me right now this lifestyle would have to change if I had to give less time to one thing or another I could definitely probably find part-time work and I could definitely do my music a bit less and still be active it doesn't have to change really you know on that on that level like if I was just doing one thing it would be possibly more depressing to have to give up everything at once like imagine if I just put everything into music and then suddenly I was gonna have a family and then you know oh my god everything's reliant on this I'm not really with somebody that I expect to work double to pay for my lifestyle I want my partner to be able to pursue something creative and another thing as well so I don't really see anything changing. But, yeah, different ideas about family unit, really learning it and having to deal with legalities of, like, uh, when someone passes away and all that kind of stuff. It's, like, really eye-opening and you're just like, wow, you just have to be less selfish at that time. And I think I'm maturing as a person and realising that that's what family is there for. Like, it's a support network and it's to help you grow up and call you out. And, I mean, maybe I'm lucky I have good relationship with most of my family and I've had some difficult times and I've had difficult emotional relationships with parts of my family and things that like now I reflect I'm like oh that was pretty hard like I was a kid so I, like I took it on but I think it's made me who I am having like a broken family or whatever it's made me really independent and obviously thinking about all these practical things because I've always known that I'm always going to be responsible for myself only and possibly other people so I need to be really a functioning person Sounds weird, but that's how I've grown up. I really relate to what you're saying there about like, uh, crap, what's going to happen when I get older, right? So that bit, and then I'm like, I can be a little bit critical of that as well because I'm also like, I don't know, is that a good reason to make a human? I'm not sure. I, I don't have the answer. But the other thing is I really relate to, because my sister at the moment, we've talked about like, are you going to have kids? Are you going to have kids? When are you going to do that? Maybe we'll live in a house together and it will be cute. And part of me is also like, <laughs> this is terrible. 
<laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. Maybe she'll have kids and I'll just be good enough friends with them <laughs> that, they'll, that, that, that they will look after me when I'm older. <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, yeah, my sister have talked about that kind of stuff too. Maybe it's a sisterly thing like timing the kids or what's going to happen. But, I mean, it's it's also for you so that you take the focus off your own life. I think I've just really shifted. I've noticed each year, like from 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, the last five years of my life, it's like growing so much. It's really played down, I think, this coming of age where you're like, oh, you know, the, the feelings of wanting to have a dog is like not so different from wanting to have a kid and having someone else to focus on and to take your learnings and give them to somebody else. You know, creating a life for someone else to benefit from. Being the person I am, I see like motherhood as probably a challenge I definitely want to take on, you know, because I'm like, I feel like I'm missing out on some aspect of life if I didn't do that. But I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I won't have children. Maybe something will change and I, I won't. No, I think it's like just, I don't think it's selfish. I think it's just that watching my family and how my siblings and I relate to each other and, and the different generations, there's no reason why I wouldn't want to have a family because I've called on them so many times. I love what I've learned from them and we're all different and we're forced to be together. My cousin, Some of my cousins are like doing something so different from me, but we get on really well and it's just like, oh, you're studying to be a doctor. That's crazy, man. Like surgeon, whoa. That's like almost 20 years. I don't know how long. You know, you know, like a really long time that you would actually train to do that and I find that fascinating. And, well, you know, the other thing is that if you're an older person and reliant on who, who are you reliant on to care for you? Older people and people with illnesses are, are treated okay in Australia comparatively to other countries, but you start to need a lot. And I don't know, who else are you going to go to for support? I feel like it's not purely for old age. It's like I really like caring for my grandparents. My grandpa passed away several years ago, but he was in Malaysia. And I, I love that relationship and I loved I love having grandparents. I kind of think in an ideal scenario, another way to learn how to be or not to be or how to live a life or how to learn from your other generations is by talking to your grandparents, maybe, you know. Maybe you don't have a great relationship with them, but surely they've got some information there that you can mm. be like, oh, wow, that was different for you then. So I think it's important. And um, I know that the world is possibly overpopulated and whatnot, but I, I can't see how just everyone stopping having children is right. I think people are just going to have children for the right and wrong reasons or whatever, you know, like, some people will have kids and you're like, whoa, whoa, they're having kids. Oh, my God. Or some people have kids and you're like, wow, they're going to be great parents. And it's just like life. <laughs> you know, not, no one's perfect. But, yeah, I'm thinking quite practically. I'm like, I want something. What, what about when work gets boring and I want to take holidays and my friends have all got their families or, you know, like, who am I going to hang out with? Yeah, I'm getting to that <laughs> stage where I'm, I'm looking around at my friendship group and I'm being like, who's going to – have a kid and I won't see them and then they'll who's gonna be around um (laughs) once that phase starts yeah once it starts happening I don't mean to sound like a selfish person who's just like creatively creating an insurance plan but I think I talked to my colleague today who has a kid and he's got a three-year-old and three and a half and he's like listening to me and he's like Becky since I met you which was only like three or four years ago but he's like since I met you you've been talking about kids <laughs> and I was like really and he's like yeah and I was like okay well that's pretty funny and he he told me that he's got a three and a half year old and he's not ready to have kids yet and I'm like but you have a three and a half year old yet yeah I know I'm not ready yet <laughs> like <laughs> and I think he's he's got a he's got an awesome partner who is able to work part-time and do a lot of the child rearing but he works more but he definitely makes time for family time and I think he's a great person and I think that his kid's going to be really interesting. And I kind of look to him for inspiration and he's the one telling me he's not ready to be a father yet and he's the father. So I don't know. Like, you know, he's not an overly stressed person. He's a pretty chill guy. And I look at people like that and I'm like, well, you just make it work. I guess it cuts off a lot of opportunities, but eh. sometimes there's other things that are more important than like doing all the greatest things. I went and saw Miranda July. Do you know Miranda July? Yeah. I want to saw Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Miranda July personally. No, I went and saw Miranda July talk last year, and she talked about um, how she has a kid, and part of the decision 
to have a kid for her was she realised that her life was just working as hard as she could on a project, as hard as she could, and then doing that again and then doing that again. And she was like, hmm. And I think she also related to the fact that she got a lot more success than she expected earlier on in her career. So she had a, a lot more opportunity to kind of do that thing more easily. But she was like, oh, surely there's something else that should go on in this life rather than me just working and then working hard and then just going and going and going. I think I feel exactly the same way. I think that's what I'm talking about. I'm transitioning and I'm seeing like, like I love making stuff. My next album, I know it's going to be like really nice and I know the visuals are going to be like just that step further and, you know, that'll keep going. But, yeah, so what? It'll keep going. (laughs) And I'll just get older and feel, like, less relevant. But, like, you know, if I can have a family, I just feel quite excited about that phase. I don't know how it'll work right now and it might not be for another few years yet. But definitely having lived through the the kind of last six months that I've had and just dealing with my family stuff, I'm like, look at, like, this scenario right now that I was sitting in. I was just like, I really want. That. And my brother and his partner talking about her like physical situation that would lead them to make a decision sooner maybe than they had planned to maybe start trying. And I felt this, I don't ever feel FOMO anymore for any gigs or anything like parties, nothing. I don't get FOMO for that. But I got like, I need to be a part of that, you know. And my kindergarten friend who I'm still friends with, she's having a child and I touched her belly and I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, so it's just happening around me. That's kind of probably why I'm, I think it was a safe bet to keep another career. It's easier to make that decision then. I always thought that I would, I would change, that, to be honest. I, until like the last couple of years I was thinking, but I think my careers are just merging. That's what's happening. Do you mean as in you always thought you would change whether or not you wanted kids or? No, 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 sorry, not kids. <laughs> I was back on the career path. I was always thinking that I would either like try music for a certain amount of time early on and then, you know, if it didn't lead anywhere, I would just focus on something else. But in the back of my mind, while thinking that, also thinking, knowing that I would always make music, that's never going to change. But the way in which I do it maybe would be different. Can you talk a little bit about some of the ideas that you have for like how you might do stuff differently in say like the next five years Mm. or if you do have a kid or stuff like that? Probably I would start my own business eventually when it felt right to so that I could be a bit more in control of the amount of work that I could take on. I was looking into working with my sister. She's an architect and combining forces and attacking the world that I'm working in as a combined entity but um it still feels a little far away and I don't know what that business could be it might not need to be in that field it could be like a really pumping store or something like my partner is at the moment looking at different entrepreneurial things to do it could be a whole different business you know it could be something else but that's hard I know that's hard and that requires a lot of investment but I'm kind of open-minded about it I feel like I don't know yet I can't say but I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and I think it'll lead me there like I trust that I've gotten to this point and having quite an interesting working life that's like led me to travel and do cool things and meet interesting people I feel pretty lucky about that but that's just from doing thing for a long time and changing jobs but getting varied experience but yeah and so I think if I want to make room for that stuff I'm just constantly thinking about it in the back of my mind and being like, oh, maybe I could try that or maybe that's cool. Or, yeah. And we have to finish up. <laughs> but before we go, I just want to admire this poster that you have on your wall, which has, I mean, you tried to set me up in the kitchen and then you let me record this in your bedroom, which is amazing. You have this poster with a three-year plan, life goals. Can I read some of them? <laughs> yeah, is that okay? So one of your shared life goals is to have a cool architecturally designed house near the ocean or forest. (laughs) Be a semi-pro hiker. (laughs) Have lived overseas, own a dog. What is that? Cat and a flat. Oh, you want a cat and a flat. The life goals, I haven't properly put my life goals on there. That's just like the first few things that came to my head. That's okay. I love that it I love that this exists. You also have a three year plan which involves saving for a house deposit. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's pretty big. That's pretty big goal. 
saving. It's got like a couple of business ideas which may or may not come into fruition. Doing masters, which is something that I want to do. Yeah, you know, it's just keep, keep things in perspective because because I have a very active brain and a lot of feedback I've been getting from my friends and family has been that I'm very intense at times. I think it's because I hold all this stuff in my head all the time. So I'm like, what am I working on right now? Like what goal am I working towards or what are we doing? And um, I just needed to get it out. And if it's there, I know that I've vocalized it, I've put it there. The three-year plan is because these are things that I should start getting my ass into gear for, like really, you know. If I actually expect this thing to happen in the next few years, then I've got to be working on it. And then the other ones are just like to remind me of what I'm doing, like three-month outlook later. And then this is the bottom one is like a 20-minute, one-hour, three-hour day in progress and done. It's just like a task planning thing. So on the weekend when you're like, crap, I've got to do all this stuff today. I can't remember. Uh, and you go write lists and whatever. So it's just stuff I've taken from my working life. <laughs> and like I would do this for my job. So I do it for my life. I have to say I love it. <laughs> I really love I feel the same way. Like actually, I mean, I've been going through a lot of big relationship stuff at the moment and one of the big pieces of feedback that I've been getting is that I'm a little bit intense sometimes. <laughs> and I, I relate to that thing of like having a lot of stuff in my head and uh, I don't put it on my wall but I have a really big – list in this web app called workflowy and i have like all of my dreams in there and everything i need to buy at the shops and also yeah everything i have it in like a wonder list which is a similar app probably but i don't look at it it's the format i don't look at it enough to really be like i just add lists and lists and lists so i found that i needed to make something like on the wall because it forces me to decide to be a bit more realistic because there's a limit to the paper space so I can't like fit everything on there and maybe if I can't fit everything on there then I can't fit it in my life maybe I don't know it's like a theory (laughs) I think it's a nice theory I think it's a really nice theory it's interesting that you say that people give you feedback that you can be a bit intense because I think this experience of talking to you has felt very wholesome actually (laughs) well I guess I'm intense about life (laughs) you know like I I take things seriously. I think about things a lot. My mom worries that I like, she said I've always since I was little like just over-intellectualized things or over, I just have a lot of concern that things aren't the best that they could be. So I'm just trying to take that feedback on. Like, you know, I really like having people over and making sure that the everyone's like attended to. <laughs> so yeah, so this intense thing is just being a bit more chill that things aren't going to always work out as planned. So yeah, I, I'm relaxed right now because like, we planned for this situation and we're having this chat and I've thought about the things that you wanted to ask me. I probably am generally calm. It's maybe just to my family and really close friends that I let out this other frustrated side. I think that's probably pretty natural to do that. I agree. I, I only get this feedback from people who are the closest to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's it. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you being so open and honest. It's fine. You're welcome. Nice. It's always this slightly strange feeling after I've done an interview with someone. And after every one I've done, I've kind of left with some small change of heart. But with Becky's, it was like quite a big change of heart. I remember leaving her house and it, it was still summer and driving back home with the sun on my face and feeling this very rare kind of surety. As I mentioned at the top, for the past three years, I've really been looking at this whole kids, family question. It's one of the reasons why I made this podcast, because I was just like, fuck, (laughs) how does kids fit into this creative life equation? And I left Becky's feeling like it was possible And feeling like kids was definitely something that I want. I left Becky's feeling the most decided on it in a long while. And that feeling of having made a decision, I don't know if you know that feeling, but it's a very freeing feeling. Unfortunately, that feeling didn't last that long. (laughs) In fact, I'm currently putting together funding proposals for season two of Starving Artist. And in the process and planning out the season, 
And one thing I want to do is a two-part episode where I try and make a final decision on the whole two-kid or not two-kid question. I'll be interviewing artists who have kids and I might even try to stay for a week or two with some artist parents and document the process if, if someone will let me do that, of course. It's probably a little bit ambitious to make that decision via a podcast, but I think it's something I'd like to try. As always, for anything that was mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes. You can find them on our website, starvingartistpodcast.com. If you have thoughts about kids or bike riding or where to get the best falafel on the north side of Melbourne, find me on social media and tell me. I really like knowing what you guys think and I also really like falafel. Editing help was provided by Lance Turnbull and Peter C. Hayward. The intro music is by me. This podcast was made possible by everyone who supports me on Patreon. We're about halfway through the first season now. And if you want to help make sure the second season of this podcast happens, including that episode about me trying to make a final decision on the whole kids conundrum, you can go to patreon.com forward slash on Eastley. Love and submitting grant applications 15 minutes before closing time and just kissing yourself that there's no technical hoo-ha and basking in the sweet salvation of a confirmation email. Till next time. Bye-bye.